Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. This is a podcast about board games, tabletop role-playing games, and tabletop war games. Today's topic, the Tiefling. Yay! Which, which I have to say, if you waited this long to know what the topic was and didn't, like, look at the title of the episode, 79 episodes in, what's up with that? I don't know. Is there is there any like, particular reason you picked Tiefling for this week? Well, it's um, a joke a little. It, it's Pride Month, and tieflings are oftentimes shown to be, uh, well, persecuted and outsiders. That, that and, definitely doesn't uh, ring any bells. Yeah, and a lot of times, uh, in 5th edition especially, they are queer. Or they're played by people who are queer. Speaking as a sample size of one, uh, this is confirmed as true. Yes, it, it's a trend that is has been noticed and remarked upon and is cool, fine. I, I think tieflings are cool, so more people playing them seems perfectly fine to me. Yep. Um, it is a little weird that the classic adventuring party of like humans and elves and dwarves is nowadays mostly like demon people and half dragons and whatever yeah you know they're the cool races humans are boring (laughs) yeah well i i play a lot of humans (laughs) uh before we delve into this too much we should introduce ourselves i'm your host troy my pronouns are he him and i am joined as always by someone who as far as i know is not a tiefling my name's ed uh my pronouns are they and them and uh i could be a tiefling based on a particular t-shirt that says Pride Month fading into the word demon, uh, which, uh, thanks, uh, religious fascist weirdos for that one. I'll be keeping that. Oh, did you actually get that? No, but I've been looking to see if I can find some good merch. I feel like I need a coffee cup with something like that on it. That'd be pretty sweet, yeah. Or, like, the pride flag with a devil skull over it. Like, I wonder if the, uh, the Satanic Temple, whichever one, or the Church of Satan, whichever one's the actual, like, good organization that, you know, fights court cases and helps people, if they've got, like, their logo in pride colors. I feel like I need, uh, that would be, like, perfect for, like, some Slanesh uh, Games Workshop merch. Yep, that, that's the, I don't have any other good jokes for this week's opening. Yay. Before we really get into tieflings, though, we do have a segment on this podcast called The Weekend Hobby, where we talk about what we've done the last weekend hobby. Ed, why don't you go first? You mean you don't want to go first? I don't want to <laughs> go first. Uh, I was actually moderately productive. It mostly revolves around... Uh, Battletech, which I had talked about previously and how they got the standard armored vehicle treatment, which is basically a base color, a wash, and then some highlights, and it's gone pretty good. Um, I'm on to the detailing phase for the last of those, and I'm using Turbo Dork Color Shift paints, which I need to... I've been trying to use them for years, and I should find some other tutorials... Or something, because for whatever reason, I just can't get them to go on easily. This one seems to be 
a little bit easier this time around, but it's also not like a super color shifty paint. Uh, they call it afterburner. So it goes from kind of like a gold to like a green, but it's extremely subtle. And for some reason, it works a lot better on the mechs for um, the detailing effects than if I had just used like a, a gold or uh, some kind of darkened metallic paint. I can't really explain how it how it works, but it just seems to look better than just a straight up metallic paint. But it's just a little bit of a pain to try and figure out how it works because it takes like five coats to get it full coverage. And even then, I don't think it looks super great. But I think I'm the common denominator in there since it seems like a lot of people really like turbo dork paints for some reason. I mean, they could just be turbo dorks. This is also true. So yeah, working on that, um, they should be in playing shape soon. The only thing I'm not quite sure what to do on is the bases, because usually I try and form the bases for the miniatures so that they tell some kind of story or add something to the the ambiance of it, but it's a giant tall robot, and you can't really get that much detail from that high up, so... Right now, it's just kind of generic grass and or dirt. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, also have all of my Blood Bowl stuff finally all put together and all based and ready to prime. I think I'm going to give these guys the kind of speed paint treatment that I did for uh, Game of Thrones because I realized that the color scheme that I picked out, which is uh, purple, black, and gold... Uh, which is also the, the non-binary colors, so awesome. Really, I can just hit them with an airbrush of purple, and the gold and the black will be really easy to paint over that. So I'm hoping that it's going to go pretty fast. Um, I'm excited to play Blood Bowl, and since it's now officially outdoor gaming season. But I've been trying really hard to just not be like, yep, I'm going to play with uh, non-painted models because I'm pretty sure in the, the Nuffle rulebook, there's something about everybody having to wear a uniform. And yes, it's statistically yes. proven that painted models do better in a game than just bare plastic. This is true. So yeah, this the Dark is... Elves are done. Uh, the Some of the, what do you call it, extras, like the measuring tools and things like that. I'm not sure if I want to paint those or just leave them as bare plastic. Uh, I'm planning on painting the like tokens and the balls and stuff, but not the measuring tools. Yeah, I've got like the balls and stuff. Those are uh, definitely going to get painted. Um, measuring tools, yeah, maybe, maybe not. It just kind of depends on how I feel. And then I've just got the all the other stuff to get set up since I've got three more teams, uh, the halflings, the human noble team and the black orcs. But I don't really have any experience playing any of those other teams except for halflings, which I play for yucks. Uh, so I don't know. They may or may not get built in a timely manner. And that was pretty much my week. Now that I had a couple of Lancer games. Um, since last time, uh, I'm just trying to think 
Yeah, I don't think I told you about what had previously happened in the Lancer game. Um, so the party had reached the town where there was supposed to be the uh, person they were rescuing, the VIP, mm-hmm. that they were sent in to secure and then call for extraction. Uh, they tried to sneak into town, and the sneaky character managed it and started gathering intelligence and finding that there were some sort of half-drunk bandits there. And then a couple of other players sort of wandered into town, not being sneaky or even really trying to hide or (laughs) anything. They just were like, oh, let's just walk into town and start gathering intelligence. And they flubbed some rolls initially just to sort of like (laughs) slowed them down and then called attention to themselves. In classic player style. Yeah, like they, they... tried to run into the run across a backyard and they tripped and fell and there was a dog and they tried to scare off the dog but it attacked them and then they tried to scare off the dog by firing a flare gun which worked but also uh, there was now a barking dog and a flare in someone's backyard i mean which flares a lot by nature try uh, are meant to draw attention i know right they didn't think that one through really yeah, that sounds like some classic player shenanigans. Um, which drew a bandit patrol, and the the players tried to fight the band. Well, they tried to fast talk the bandits, which got them like cold cocked with rifle butts, and then they tried to fight the bandits, which got them shot. Uh, before the other member of the party, who was like, "No, this is you're drawing attention. This is bad. I'm gonna run back and get my mech." Like, got his mech and showed up and just pointed giant mech-sized guns at some bandits who promptly ran away. Good times. He spun up the minigun on his mech and the bandits were like, no, we don't want to face a minigun. No, thank you. I'm done. Um, moving into town, they sort of kicked the bandits out in this fashion, you know, narratively rather than direct combat. Because none of the local bandits that were, like, controlling the town had mechs. Uh, but they fled and they called reinforcements, so the party secured the person, like, headed to the coast where they were going to get extracted, and then had to fight a, like, holding action, um, against, uh, the, like, a bandit lieutenant who showed up. Count Crimson! He was named and had a special portrait and stuff. Yeah, he's kind of a Red Baron-esque Oh, wait, I think you, yeah, you sent me that. that, that was cool. Yeah, he he's a, was supposed to be a Red Baron slash a little bit of Char from the Gundam series. Um, that's, is like, exactly who I base the artwork on. So if he's um, the Red Baron, does that mean somebody's just going to randomly shoot a pistol at his mech and he's going to crash? He, he did crash, actually. <laughs> it, it, it took more than a pistol shot to bring him down, but... Oh, I thought, I, I thought that was the... I thought that was what they found was the cause of death, was that he... Uh, he took a bullet from a pistol during a, a dogfight. I don't know. Um, yeah, in this case, he he was in a mech that's suited for dogfighting. Like, it flies, it, it does strafing runs and stuff. Um, but he... Oh, they goaded him into committing a little early. So he didn't have his full reinforcements with him yet. And they kept showing up over the course of the battle. So he was the players were able to sort of isolate and target him specifically. Good times. Which uh, resulted in him getting shot down. He ejected safely. So, he might be back. With a better mech. If I knew how to do a good impression of Cobra Commander, this is where I would go. 
<laughs> no, that's Skeletor. Um, I don't know. But that was, you know, they successfully dusted off. They completed the mission, which had the multiple combats. So they're getting license level two, which means they actually get special frames now. They, they get the non-starter level mech. Uh, which means shit's gonna get weird real fast. Do you have to take a driving test to uh, to get that? No, you get the you pass the driving test and you get the starter level mech. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you hit level two, you get the um, like advanced pick a mech from the twenty plus that are available. Sweet. Uh, you, you you buy license levels to get them. So now they've got the crazy license levels. Now they've got enough license levels to start getting serious with their new mechs, and it's going to get wild. Sounds like good times. Uh, I also, there was a Starfinder game since we last recorded. I can't remember what happened in it. (laughs) Uh, We gained another player who is a robot and does... um, Robot things? I think he's a soldier background. Like, yeah, he, his, his class is like soldier. So he's just good at straight up combat. Um, and I think he has a like laser rifle. So he, he's very Lasers. helpful for me who is going up and punching stuff in the face. Um, and he's played as being a janitor bot that got assigned to our like new fa- new colony. <laughs> so nice. yes we are using him to clean shit up uh and we uh yeah we also negotiated with a couple of like locals that came to a couple of other settlements that had heard that we had found some special resource and wanted to trade for it um to which we we gave it to the eco-friendly the eco-hippie ones because they actually had something to trade, whereas the other guys were just, like, uh, doing a professional wrestler impersonation and didn't actually have anything to trade. Sweet. But that's been my weekend hobby. So let's talk about something that's not in Starfinder. Woo! Actually, it might be. I don't I mean, know. They, they could be. Tieflings yeah. are a very common element of 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Tieflings are devil people. Let's get this right off the bat. Tieflings are humanoids with, like, demonic horns. Sometimes they have goat legs. Sometimes they have, uh, they usually have tails. Their skin color ranges from normal human to reds to... Also blues and purples because everyone likes to do purple tieflings, so that that that's a thing now. I mean, why not? Uh, the rulebook doesn't say it, but the rulebook also has a picture of a purple tiefling above the thing where it doesn't say they have purple skin. So mm-hmm. maybe you should have picked that art a little closer, you guys. You kind of gave people that idea and they ran with it. Give players but an what inch art? and they'll take the entire player's handbook. Yes. Which is why you don't even show them the player's handbook. <laughs> it's forbidden information. Yes. Um, so what are tieflings? Where do tieflings come from? Why are tieflings? Who are tieflings? Um, I'm guessing they come from the nine hells. That's what you're going to tell me. Not. I think the last thing is uh, 
you know, what's the folklore origin of tieflings? Which we should get into a little, because the folklore origin of tieflings and of the, like, red-skinned, pointy-horned, cloven-foot, tail devil is actually kind of interesting. I don't think uh, I know the, anything about that. Yeah, and it's kind of an interesting thing. It's it's not in the Bible. I knew that part. Uh, the Bible does not really describe in great detail what the devil looks like. I think, like, um, the only thing that I know of is that they describe, like, the character of, like, the Satan, who's, like, a... Not, like, a messenger, but, like, it's challenger, somebody who brings you, like, challenges to overcome, and somehow that eventually gets turned into Satan, and then Satan character comes from elsewhere. Yeah, they describe a bunch of stuff. Um, it's mostly that they don't have... Like, there's a lot of evil, demonic characters. Uh, there's, in fact, a whole section in the New Testament where Jesus drives a bunch of them out of people and into, I want to say, like, pigs, which he then drives into the ocean and drowns. <laughs> um, the power of Christ compels you. Yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Satan or Satan or whoever takes Jesus... Jeebus up onto a top of a mountain and is like, hey, you could rule the world. And Jesus is like, uh, I'm I'm the son of God. And according to some churches, like part of God, I already get this. Why are you offering me what I already have? And ironically, like, if, you, if you think a lot about a lot of weirdos, uh, they're like, we're hey, doing it in the name of religion. And it's like, nope, you failed that last test because... That was the question you were offered. You failed. Sorry. Yeah, Christianity does not have a lot of internal cons consistency <laughs> when you start to like look at the nitty gritties. Well, it, um, I guess in that case, it falls neatly in line with uh, a lot of fantasy literature. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> I, I would also point out the fact that the book of Genesis has two different timelines for how the world was created. Um, was not aware it, of that yeah it, i'll show it to you after the thing but inconsistencies in the bible is a whole massive like multiple books have been written on the subject topic it's its own genre basically is yes <laughs> um but the book of revelations does describe the great beast as having horns and like a gaping maw and some other features and so that was one of the, like, instances of why horned figures are generally linked with satanics and devils and the like. Is that there's a line in the Revelations where it drops that off. Uh, same with, you know, talking about it, the, it having a tail that's like, knocks a bunch of people around. Thing in Revelations, uh, you know, behold the beast and blah, 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 blah. I mean, talks about some of his features. For all the smack that I talk, uh, the Bible can be pretty metal at times. Yeah, it can. Um, it also, it's just weird. Uh, the other elements, the sort of like the goat legs and stuff, that comes from uh, Greek mythology. <laughs> Specifically Pan. Who would have guessed somebody ripped off Greek mythology? Well, it's not actually that they ripped it off. It's that Pan was a popular pagan deity. Um... And Christianity wanted to get rid of that one because they didn't like him. Get out of so here. They, You're having too much fun. 
So they... Yes, literally that. Because <laughs> Pan is, is a party god in pretty much every iteration. Um, and early Christianity did not like that, and so they incorporated elements of that into their like evil demonic figure to persecute people who, you know, liked the Pan stuff. Partying is for both. So, yeah. And then demons got weird in the Middle Ages because Middle Ages and, you know, medieval era uh, monks drawing art while sitting in their little abbeys and stuff just did whatever the fuck they wanted. And that's where you get the crazy looking ones and the weird skin colors and stuff. If you haven't looked up uh, the illustrations in various medieval texts from bored monks, you really should. There's a lot of good ones oh, out wait. there. It's fantastic. I have a whole book that's just uh, like snippet. It's like high quality resolution snippets from the Book of Kells. Awesome. Um, and it's just got some fantastically weird shit. They also really enjoy drawing cats and dogs. Yeah, a lot of cats uh, and dogs. Presumably because they had pets. Um, and then, of course, there was some more stuff uh, in like the 15th, 16th century. The devil got real horny. Um <laughs> Because there was the whole witch hunters thing, and they would claim that all the witches were like brides of the devil. Um, I don't know, but apparently the devil got real horny around that time. I mean, um, how else are you going to spread tieflings? Oh, bring it back. Oh, uh, we'll come back actually to that when we talk about some non-D&D tieflings, and perhaps one of my favorites. And one of your favorites, if you would stop to think about him. Mm, but... In Dungeons and Dragons, you know, so I guess we I should say, so this is sort of the like cultural folkloric demon people thing. In Dungeons and Dragons, first edition, none of it. Second edition, didn't really have it for the most part until Planescape. Planescape huh. was a setting, we've talked about it, it's very, very good. Uh... Its notion of being set in the sort of multiverse, multiplanar area where people from the hells and the heavens and limbo and the various elemental realms are all kind of mingling and coexisting led it to have what were called plane-touched, which were people who either, like, married into or, you know, had kids or were just warped and adjusted by the planes that they happened to live on. And so you got uh, tieflings and their, like, celestial counterpart, the Azimar. Uh, these tieflings were very interesting. They had, like, a chart of you, that you could roll on to determine what sort of demonic features they might have. Nice. Um, they were not—they were pretty much incredible—each individually unique, depending on the demon that— was in back in their bloodline a few generations. Uh, the, the core concept with the tieflings in this is they weren't direct descent... Well, they were direct descendants of demons, but they were generally several generations removed, or they were caused by some sort of force changing them, usually when they're kids or, like, a pregnant woman happens to pass through hell and... The baby comes out with horns. He's a mutant. Kind of thing. Um, this featured some of the amazing art by Tony Dilatrezzi, 
who did most of the art for Planescape and, like, really fucking nailed it. I'm going to say something really heretical here. I'm not much of a fan of his artwork. Well, then I got bad news for you because they brought him back to illustrate the new Planescape book. Damn. That's coming out this year. That I don't intend to buy until after it's come out and people have had a chance to, like, actually talk about it and determine if it's another Spelljammer or another Eberron. Same. For 5e. Because their track, the Wizards of the Coast track record has not been good lately. Wizards, what are you doing? Um, a wizard did it. <laughs> you beat me to it. Wizards, no sense of right or wrong. But, you know, that was second edition. Uh, tieflings were not initially a playable race. They were a NPC and, like, monster race. Although, you know, second edition didn't exactly have real strong rules about playing monsters now third edition uh and 3.5 it did have the options to have them playable uh plain touched tieflings and azimars show up in the initial monster manual and in the three and 3.5 uh dungeon masters guide they are listed as one of the races that you can play with a level adjustment of plus one I'm pretty uh, sure have... I had a I played a 3.5 tiefling for a very short-lived campaign. Yeah, uh tieflings in 3.5 and in 3 and 3.5 are you know more similar to second edition tieflings where they're sort of they look like humans but with some random demonic traits whether that be horns pointed teeth red eyes a whiff of brimstone cloven feet and the monster manual even says no two tieflings are the same um i would also note that the tony de la trezzi art for tiefling because he was still doing their art uh in the monster manual is the closest art to um the tiefling character in the dungeons and dragon honor among thieves movies nice it is a like brown-haired human woman with small horns pointy ears and a tail i'm guessing that was intentional i don't know um the big thing is that the the one in the book has much bigger hips and much uh skimpier top than the one in the movie of but course it does. <laughs> look, the guy has a style. Um, I, I would say that the it's probably a little of they borrowed from that and they also didn't want to do something that would require two hours of makeup before each take. Yeah, that's also very true. Um, which I respect. I respect making that choice because you you got to make life easy for the actor or else... You, people hate doing the role. As somebody who's had to sit for makeup for a film, it uh, it's kind of boring. Yeah, it, it kind of sucks. And I probably wouldn't want to do it if I had to sit for two hours to get made up to look like that. Now, there are some actors who are cool with that, and that will get mentioned again later. Um, but 3.5 ended, 4th edition came out, and here tieflings really came into their own. Yay. Tieflings are in the 4th edition Player's Handbook. That is Player's Handbook 1, not 2, 3, or 4. Woo! Because um, 
fourth edition had a lot of players' handbooks. Yeah, it did. <laughs> um, notably, tieflings replaced gnomes. Uh, gnomes, uh, not in the original players' handbook. I don't, I don't really know why they would just not include both of them, but I am generally not a fan of gnomes anyway, so that's I'm fine. Yeah, uh, gnomes got booted. Also, I. I don't think half orcs were half orcs in three point five. Uh, yes, from what I remember, I think they also got booted and replaced with dragonborn. Uh, that I'm less cool with. Because um, dragonborn and orcs. dragonborn and tieflings got added as core races for fourth edition, um, and they turned into the much closer to what we know today, where they are humans with red skin. Big horns and tails. Um, and their lore got updated a bit. Uh, in 4th edition, tieflings were the descendants of an empire that made packs with devils to, like, control their territory. And then hundreds or thousands of years ago, their empire, you know, had a giant war and collapsed. And these, like... The tieflings were cursed in the process and sort of gained the aspect of the devils. Oops. Um, this then led to them being the way they are and looking the way they do. And, uh, yeah. That, that was their whole lore. Um, the biggest problem of this is that that lore doesn't fit every setting. <laughs> um, so... Uh... Um, tieflings were, you know, also, they fit really well in with the Warlock class, which, again, was added to the Player's Handbook as a core class in 4th edition. Um, and their connection to that class has pretty much just been straight through since. Um, I like tieflings. I think 4th edition, we'll talk a little about why 4th edition brought them in. And I think it's a pretty obvious why. Uh, uh, and there's two points to it. The first one being that they recognized, the developers recognized that um, playing the like anti hero, edgy demon thing was cool. Edgelord. Yeah, um, especially given that the book came out in, uh, what, like 2008? I can't even remember. First printing, June 2008, according to the copy I'm leafing through right now. Um, I have a 4th edition player's handbook, yes. Um, so yeah, 2008, th this level of like demon edginess is, uh, yeah, getting the emo bands and doing all that kind of stuff. So, tieflings are in. Um, and the second one, of course, is the other big early 2000s thing. World of Warcraft. Woo! Has the race called the Draenei? Draenei? Yeah. How do you pronounce them? The Draenei. Draenei? Yeah. I think, Who are, I don't think um, they're specifically devils. They're more like aliens. They're aliens, but, but they, they look are... Like they, they... Well, they look like tieflings do after that expansion for WoW came out. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think part of the reason that tieflings changed so 
suddenly to look very specific is because 4th edition was a really big attempt by Wizards of the Coast to draw the people who played World of Warcraft and other MMOs into playing um, this, into playing role-playing games. Um, they had heavily marketed towards them in the materials leading up to it, and the gameplay elements of 4th edition are drawn from things like World of Warcraft and other MMOs where it's like powers that you trigger and use rather than normal making attacks and those sort of things. That's why I heard. So I don't think it's a coincidence that one of the races happens to, to kind of just be a red-skinned version of a race from World of Warcraft that wasn't really represented in D&D previously. Coincidence? I think not. I, I do not think so. I think it was a deliberate choice to try and pull more World of Warcraft players in. Uh, it wouldn't I, surprise me in the slightest. That was something that Wizards of the Coast was really, really harping on at the time. Something I remember from like reading Dragon Magazine and Dungeon Magazine and how they kept doing things that would try to pull WoW players in. Um just constantly the whole early 2000s was a sequence of doing various things to try and draw computer players to tabletop games as it should be um reject modernity embrace tabletop dice. rpg tradition em embrace dice yes this of course leads us to fifth edition uh, one of the smartest things they did in 5th edition was keeping Tieflings as a major race and also keeping Warlocks as a major race. Uh, keeping Dragonborn, neither here nor there. Um, they're fine. I, I, I don't feel as fondly towards them because they raise other issues, but we'll talk about Dragonborn in their own episode, I think. Um, so in 5th edition, Tieflings are descended from some form of infernal heritage that that's it they could if you wanted to say you were from an ancient empire that you know made deals with devils sure why not uh perhaps instead your you know ancestor got busy with a succubus and a few generations down the line they pop out a kid that has horns see episode um, 69 about succubi yes uh 10 episodes ago uh, in some settings, people can just sort of, like, randomly be born as tieflings. Uh, Eberron does both. There is an ancient... There was an ancient empire that did the tiefling thing. Um, it collapsed. There's still a, like, pocket of them in uh, one of the, like, monstery countries. They've sworn loyalty to the Hag Queen. Cool. Um, and also, people who are born or conceived or, like, spend a bit of time in the womb in certain manifest zones often come out with the like tiefling appearance um much to the shock and uh like uncomfortableness of their parents uh fun bit is that one of the churches the church of the silver flame has recognized that you know having people abandoning their demonic looking kids is not good either for the nation or for the kids themselves and actually set up a village, like a separated village that is pretty much just tieflings. Hmm. Like run as an orphanage and 
sort of handled by the church who does not think they're evil. Because somebody is like, no, they're not evil. They're just kids. These, these are the churches um, that we need. And the, the church, some of the church is good. Some of it is incredibly corrupt. <laughs> uh, the village does produce an above average amount of paladins and clerics who happen to be tieflings. So I think that's a fun bit of like backstory if you want to be a celestial warlock or a paladin tiefling. It's being like, oh yeah, no, I'm from this village that is basically a village-scale orphanage for tieflings. It was weird growing up there, but, you know, where's not... Where do you grow up that's not weird? Um... um so yeah, tieflings ah. in 5th edition are just kind of a standard element of the game. You'll find them everywhere. Uh... Typically, they are greeted greeted with stares, whispers, and, you know, not trusted and stuff. Although, I haven't actually seen that played up all that much. Um, I suspect it would have been played up if anyone was rolling a tiefling when we did our Curse of Strahd game. Yeah, uh, because the, that would not go over well. Yeah, because the people of Barovia are very suspicious and... Um, yeah, uh, superstitious and don't like stuff like that. My Warforged character just pretended he, that he wore full armor all the time. <laughs> I I, bought, I I stole a helmet from something and just wore it with the shield, with the face mask down the entire time. Um, and that got me through most of it. Most people didn't inspect me close enough to realize that those aren't gauntlets, those are just my hands. Wait a second, none of this adds up. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that, that one was weird enough. Uh, but uh, they were a little freaked out by the dragonborn among our party anyways. Um, but yeah, so tieflings get some small abilities relating to their, you know, infernal heritage. They get good dark vision. They get resistance to fire damage. They get uh, a couple of cantrips. And, you know, they typically know infernal as a language. Although, Why? I guess, I guess maybe that's just passed down. Genetic memory. Not uh, a real thing. It is now. Not a real thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, tieflings. They're they're cool. I like them. I'm happy that D&D has kept up tieflings. That they've been made a sort of major race. Um, their appearance is pretty consistent and their lore is kind of loose. Uh, in general, um, in 5th edition, they tend to be descended specifically from Asmodeus. Although the Mordenkainen's Guide to the Multiverse has variants. If you wanted to play a tiefling who is descended or kind of related to one of the other lords of hell. Asmodeus, um, the world's greatest lawyer. Yeah. Asmodeus is big book of law. <laughs> that, that sounds like a name for a D&D supplement now. Yeah, that would be pretty funny. And, ooh, I wonder if you could write one that's about, like, how to run legal stuff in a campaign. How oh, to, like, have a that would be drama. amazing. Wizards, yeah, get I, on it and pay us uh, a finder's fee for the idea. I don't know. I mean, I think we have to write it ourselves and then put it out as, like, a third-party supplement. All right, I'm going to fire up the chat GPT. <sighs> don't do that. <laughs> chat GPT will do a shit job for something like that. It, it just will. 
So now I suppose we talk about tieflings and tiefling adjacent things that aren't in D&D. Because Dungeons and Dragons isn't the only thing out there. What? Heresy. Uh, the first the first one, the 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 perhaps best known tiefling in all the world. Although some might argue that he's a half demon. But he he acts more like a tiefling. Is it Hellboy? Is Hellboy. Yes. Uh if we could uh, get that airhorn soundboard on Discord beep, 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 beep. to record on this platform. This is, this is where I would add the air horn. Yes. Uh, Hellboy is the child of a human and the devil. The literal Lucifer devil. Mo- yeah, Lucifer Morningstar or Satan. I, I don't... It's the literal devil. Um, who had a kid with a horny witch from the 16th century. I told you that would come back. <laughs> um, and then the kid... She got pulled to hell while still pregnant, and then the kid was eventually born in hell and then born again on Earth in the 1940s, uh, being summoned by Nazis who got killed by the good guys. Um, As they should be. And then they, you know, Rasputin was involved. Um, and then uh, he, he proceeded to, like, be awesome and solve various paranormal mysteries. It's Hellboy. If you haven't read it, go do it, like, right now. Yes, pause, the, pause the episode and go read all ten volumes. No, no, no. Don't pause the episode. Leave the episode running while you open up uh, t- another tab and start ordering the books from somewhere. I'd say Amazon, but Amazon is evil, so give your money to somebody else. Like a local or comic book store. Yeah. I mean, you could probably buy them directly from Dark Horse's website, so go do that. I mean, also, I bought them all from Comixology back when Comixology was good and before Amazon killed it. So that's yeah. that's how I read it. But don't do not do that. It's a bad way to go now. I have the physical volumes. I have all 10 plus physical volumes. Um, I don't think I have all of Hellboy in Hell, but not... Yeah. I own several of the BPRD volumes as well. So I've got a lot of Hellboy related stuff. Yeah, son. Um Yes, he's cool. He's fun. He's a great inspiration if you want to play a tiefling paladin or possibly barbarian. It depends on what's going on with him. He's also one of the things I was thinking about when we talked when I mentioned uh not kidding keeping your actor in makeup for 2 hours. This is true. That that's a lot of prosthetic. Yes. Um and apparently Ron Perlman was a great sport about it and is still cool with playing Hellboy if anyone wants him to. But uh, whoever played him in the movie we don't talk about. Uh, David Harbour? Yep. Yeah, uh, not a fan. Also, his prosthetics look worse, despite the movie being more recent. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the deal with that movie is. We don't talk about that movie. <laughs> um... So that's perhaps the most prominent tiefling. And then next, I guess, the Drani, the, the World of Warcraft ones. They look like tieflings. They have magical powers like tieflings. Um, although they are aliens, essentially. They, yep. Just they give fled. your tiefling a spaceship. I mean, their home world was being corrupted by demons. And so they got on spaceships and left. But, um, yeah. So, 
that's sort of the, the there's demons related to it it makes them tiefling enough it's about all i know um, about world of warcraft i've been out of the game for so long um yeah i don't i don't know world of warcraft lore i never played it I haven't even played, like, the supplemental games. I don't play Hearthstone or anything, so I don't know any of this. I didn't even watch the movie. I played a lot no of Hearthstone uh, until Blizzard made it bad, and then I stopped playing and went back to playing Magic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was looking for other, like, demon races, but most of them tend to be like full demon um warhammer does not have a tiefling equivalent their demons are literal manifestation of chaos and evil uh, they're not a playable race uh, they're not really playable individuals they are just straight up demons yeah there's um, i guess the closest you would get would be like people who've been like touched by chaos and mutate and they take on like some demonic traits, but they're still not really demons. They're just, yeah, they're mutants. just mutants. And that's a whole other thing to really get into. Um, um, Pathfinder has like kind of their own equivalent of tieflings. I think, I think. I think Pathfinder does, especially in Pathfinder 2E, but I'm not real familiar with 2E and tieflings weren't in the Pathfinder 1E rule book that I happen to have. Um, I will say that Star Wars has a, another, I would call them sort of a tiefling equivalent, honestly, a sci-fi tiefling equivalent, though they predate the tieflings. Mm. Twi'leks. I don't, I don't think I know of that one. I would call the Twi'leks to be kind of a tiefling equivalent. How so? You know, your classic, uh... A long tendril thing coming off weird skin colors. You're the the dancer at Jabba's palace. Um, they they uh, I'll, I'll allow they it. fit sort of the human esque, but with strange skin color and head stuff, and oftentimes are, you know, not good or not seen as being sort of not great um not in positions of power or they're usually yeah. subjugated by whoever happens to be nearby yeah reasons yeah, usually uh, they just weren't particularly strong as a like planet um like militarily historically um and uh during eras in which slavery was popular in the world Tiefling ladies made great slaves for whatever reason. Um, the only other, like, Star Wars equivalent equivalent I can think, they're, I think they're called, like, Devonians. Yes, the, there's one that shows up briefly in Episode 4, and they've got, like, literal yes, devil Yes, they are horns. literal devils. Um, which, again, I don't know. There's not a lot going on with them. Um... The Zabak could also kind of fit the role. That's uh, Darth Maul's race. Because um, they have horns and, like, skin colors. Although I believe his, like, black markings are tattoos. He got a lot of tattoos done. Yeah, they're tattoos. He's got a lot of ink. Um, 
Well, they they do have like witches and like weird mystical shenanigans yes, going on. Yes, but those are dark sisters, which are another race. Look, Star Wars is weird. Yeah, I guess I guess once you start getting into sci-fi, you're looking more at like aliens rather than like inferno. Yeah, which stuff. is why I think Twi'leks are kind of in a sci-fi equivalent to tieflings in it just in terms of general place in the universe and like place as player characters as well. Okay, I, I see more of what you're going yeah, for. Yeah, I'm not saying they're like these straight up devil equivalents, but they sort of fit that position. Um, beyond that, like the, uh, there's not a lot of like factions. The last one I would say, um, the war game, Wrath of Kings by Cool Mini or Not had a faction known as the, uh, Nasir, um, who were humans who, like, allowed themselves to be possessed partially to gain demonic strength for their armies. And so they have, like, demon-esque things. Like, their base foot soldiers wear, like, uh, masks with horns on them. And then some of their other ones are more Hellboy-style demon. I think I've seen some of those... Uh... I think Kings of War is out of print. I can't remember, but it I've is seen out of them print, I pop believe. up um, discounts before. They are cool-looking-ish guys. Um, they, they didn't really get a full... Their armies were pretty small, I believe, um, for the for the sizes. They're, they didn't get to, like, multiple unit boxes in general, is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Wrath of Kings. Yeah, that is weird that it seems like there's the idea of like the half demon or like the demon influence in uh, tabletop gaming seems fairly exclusive to D&D. Yeah, it is interesting that there isn't, I think mostly because in war games, you don't care about having a player character that is sort of morally relevant. You can just be straight up evil. Um, this is true. So it you don't so you don't have to have the um, uh, the nuance, and so you can just be demons. You can just have an army that is straight mm-hmm. up demons, or you know things like the. Warhammer Chaos Dwarves, where they're, you know, evil industrialists and all that sort of nonsense. Um, so yeah, uh, Tieflings, they are cool. They are something that maybe other places need to look at, maybe do some stuff with. Um, are they considered, uh, like, the protected intellectual property for D&D? I suspect so. Um, I suspect that specific name is protected intellectual property. Uh, that being said, I've seen like devilkin or demonkin used repeatedly um, mm-hmm. in situations where people are, say, creating a tiefling miniature that they want to sell. Um, 
they call it like a devilkin miniature or something just mm-hmm. to uh get around to that a little <laughs> try and catch me with your copy right now i mean it's the same way that you call like a skaven blood bowl team like a ratman blood bowl team if you're selling your 3d <laughs> prints on etsy this is um, true which you know i have bought 3d prints off etsy of ratman blood bowl teams so yeah i've i've still got to get my 3d printer set up to uh, print that rat ogre for you yeah yeah uh, i mean no rush on that But yeah, looking around at my my game stuff here, I haven't really seen anything else that's like tiefling esque. Yeah, unless you count uh, Nightcrawler from the X Men for Mar- Marvel Crisis Protocol. I mean, yes, but he's not a species; he's a mutant. His species is mutant, and his uh, sort of powers are that he. I mean, his appearance is similar to a tiefling. I would say that I guess magic from the X-Men is similar to, like, older tieflings. Yeah. Where she just sort of has that infernal stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have anything else on tieflings. Yeah, uh, well, tiefling... Uh, have you played tieflings? If so, what were they? Or, you know, is there a tiefling idea that you have for a character um i had one tiefling who was a sorcerer and i did some uh sorcery shenanigans in that uh that game back in high school that i think lasted maybe all of two sessions which was disappointing uh my last tiefling character uh i can't remember his name but he was basically D D uh lemmy was a bard and in a nice coincidence uh when i was setting up my character i had one of my affiliations listed as the guild of gnomish bards even though i am not a gnome and all the other players in the party (laughs) played gnomes so it was three three gnomes and a tiefling wandering around so that was a nice coincidence yep as far as what i would do with them I don't know. It's not as it's not a thing I've really thought that much about. Maybe add maybe add them into somehow add them into like the Warhammer universe. I think that could be interesting if you have like an entire race of people who are like somehow chaos touched, but not necessarily evil, I guess. Yeah. Actually, I guess maybe the Beast Men would be like tiefling equivalents for D anD. d For Warhammer, you mean? Yeah, I, they kind of are. For, yeah, for Warhammer, just, they don't have that same thematic consistency. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think D. Uh, I don't know why I keep saying D anD. d Warhammer could probably use some kind of tiefling equivalent. Yeah, it would be interesting. Honestly, I think forty k might get the better of it if you did like they. If you released a, like, cults and demons thing that was certain people who have been exposed or culted or whatever sort of are becoming more of a traditional demon figures, 
Um, mm-hmm. And then you could get tiefling equivalents plus, you know, cults of various human-esque people that uh, could play similar to the Imperial Guard, but with more psychic powers. Yeah, and I mean, the universe for 40k is, like, so vast that even within the the science fantasy setting, there are planets where it's, like, literal, you know, medieval knights and peasants because they were abandoned there by the Empire thousands of years ago, and they've regressed to, like, a medieval level of technology, and the space marines come down, and they're like, what what kind of hell is this? Are you an alien? Um, just because they've forgotten that they're part of a massive interstellar empire. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that reminds me, I, I saw today somebody had done, like, a custom Imperial Guard army where they're, like, a renegade unit, but they're not necessarily, like, a chaos renegade unit. They're just a group of humans who have banded together with, like, some local aliens and formed their own, like, self-defense unit, and it's actually pretty awesome. It does sound cool. So, I, yeah, I think just with how massive the 40K universe is, you can really put anything in there and it won't feel necessarily very weird. All right. Um, what about you? Do you have thoughts on what they should do with tieflings? Uh, I think they should do something with tieflings and Spelljammer. I think putting tieflings in space is a huh. great idea. Yeah, I hadn't, hadn't thought uh, about that. I think that. that's the thing that you should really do more than anything else is, you know, tieflings in space. Um, yeah, uh, whether that be like a group of, like a large coalition of maybe tiefling pirates that you know, sail around, raid planets, do their whole stuff, but they're sort of a nomadic nation state almost with hundreds of ships that like meet up every couple of celestial years or something. (coughs) Eldar. Sort of Eldar Corsairs, but (laughs) you know, more, more, uh, more fun. Yeah. I mean, I, that, now that I think about it, that, it is kind of weird that they didn't show up in the, the Spelljammer book. I mean, they didn't... Just like nothing else showed up in the Spelljammer oh. book. Oh, air horn. Uh, the sad trombone, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, sad trombone. That's the one that goes in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I would say is uh, Tiefling Pirates Space... Tiefling Space Pirates as a, like big thing um because you already have like space elf empire and space gnome stuff so tiefling space pirates that sounds like fun maybe they all meet at like some star that is red and so their skin tones look like normal people's skin tones (laughs) or something silly like that so no one can tell if you've got a weird skin tone or something i don't know um yeah. Or just have them meet at, like, the Eye of Terror, just, like, some kind of, like, hell planet. Be like, ah, yes, home. Or was their home until it got pulled into the demonic realm by, you know, some demon... By a group of adventurers failing to follow a quest. <laughs> like, that, that, that's what I think I would do. Sounds yeah. like a good one. 
So that's Tieflings, and it brings us to the final part of our podcast, Yay. Board Game Corner. Uh, in Board Game Corner, we talk about a board game or something related to a board game. Yeah, uh, today's I don't I, have I've a got game. one. It's a weird one. Liar's Dice. Oh, I love Liar's Dice. So Liar's Dice is a you just love dice. This is true, but I also I also enjoy playing Liar's Dice. Yes. So Liar's Dice is a dice-based bluffing game, essentially. Uh, you roll a hand of dice, usually covered by a cup or something, uh, and look at it and conceal it from the other players, and then you bid, announcing a face value and a number of dice that you believe have that value under all the cups in the game. Under all what you basically say. I believe that there are six sixes between all the players involved. Um, you either, and on you play rotates, you either make a higher bid or challenge the previous bid, calling the person a liar. Um, there's a variety of options and variants on the game. Uh, if you challenge the bid, all the dice are revealed. And if the bid is valid, the bidder wins. Otherwise, the challenger wins. Uh, when you lose a round, you lose one of your dice. The game goes on until uh, one player, until uh, only one player has dice left. There can be only one. Yes, uh, I mean partially because it would be incredibly hard for anyone but the person with one die left to win. You know, a <laughs> bidding. I. I one of us here is lying. Yeah. Um, so it's a interesting setup. It lets you play a lot with dice. I suggest that if you want to play and you want to guarantee that you win, bring something other than D6s. Yes, this, this Throw in work. a couple of D12s and then be like, I believe there are three dice showing sevens. And wait for everyone else to like, Try to figure out if you're lying or not. That's when everybody draws their six shooters. Well, good thing you drew seven shooters. I, I don't have a seven shooter. I just have a six shooter. Oh. It goes pew, pew, pew. That was only three. You get three more. Uh, pew, pew, pew. Those, those are now you've shot your six. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Liar's Dice. It's classic. You, you need cups and you need dice. It doesn't actually have a board. Um, but, you know, it is still a game. And it's a fun one. Yep. As always, that's been our show. Uh, you can follow us on social media. You can like, sub subscribe, tell other people, rate the podcast, share the podcast, forfeit all mortal possessions to the podcast. Uh, hail Satan, <laughs> um, support your local game store, organize for labor, uh, do fun Pride Month stuff, and do the things Ed's going to tell you to do. Oh, uh, if you love Pride Month, you can follow me on Instagram and Adam Madness. Uh, sometimes I post stuff about Pride stuff there. Uh, maybe a particularly angry rant for the Stonewall anniversary. Who knows? Uh, you can... Donate to your local queer charities, uh, your local bail funds, reproductive justice funds, uh, 
sink Texas and Florida into the Gulf, and uh, we'll, we're going to go ahead and throw Ohio into uh, the Gulf sinking now. Um, I think uh, Ohio gets flooded by the uh, the lakes up there. Yeah, flood flood Ohio with the Great yep. Lakes. Um, critical support to the orcas doing the people's work of sinking yes, yachts. Yes, uh, orcas just happen to see the world in black and white for some reason, but uh, critical support. Yep, unionize your orcas and go, go Knowles. Go and don't get in a billionaire submarine. Go Knowles!